the prayers and fellowship going on, but we do need to uh, get to this as well. Teens are making their way in, grateful for the, their joining us. Whenever they have a weekend activity and preaching on the weekend, they join us for the evening service, so that'll help there. Thanks for the visitors that are with us tonight, a couple of first-timers. We're grateful for that, and uh, appreciate you being here. All right, come on in, teens. Let's go. Here we go. Jonah chapter 1. A few years ago in Michigan, uh, one of the Detroit suburbs, a man walked into a convenience store, slapped down a $20 bill on the counter, and asked for change. And when the clerk, as soon as he opened the drawer, he then pulls out a gun and demands all the money that's in the till, which the clerk obviously, to, to stay safe, uh, complied and gave him the cash that was in the till. And then the man grabbed the cash from him and he ran off and successfully got away. The total amount that he got away with was $15. Uh, unfortunately, he had left his $20 bill on the counter. And so the store didn't press charges because they said, we actually made money on this robbery, so we're not actually going to press charges here. It's the only time in that the, the police had ever heard of where there was a robbery and this store like came out ahead. Uh, sin is dumb. Sin is really dumb. And I mean, that's a funny story, but that's just in, indicative of sin. Sin is uh, not a smart thing for us to be involved in. More than that, it disturbs things. It upsets your life. It upsets the tranquility and the peace in your life. It brings turbulence into your life. It destroys and disturbs minds, uh, marriages, schools, cities, nations, and of course, churches as well. Sin has upset so many, uh, man, man's disobedience and our sin has upset uh, things so much that Paul said in Romans 8, 22, the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain. Sin is a destroyer. Mankind always tries to play down the seriousness of sin and, uh, with, and, and the seriousness of their disobedience. But the consequences of sin is what offsets or what argues against this argument that sin's not that big of a deal because the consequences say otherwise. Can I remind you that you can choose your sin, but you cannot choose the consequences? And that's something that ought to uh, deter us from choosing sin in our life. Now, our sin does not only affect us, it also affects those around us. The guilt of one man can endanger the lives of many. The misconduct of one politician can lay waste to a nation. The drunk driver can be, leave a, a cruel uh, scar on, a, on an entire family uh, for the rest of their existence. So one criminal can burden society with millions of dollars of expense. Uh, a Bible illustration of this is Achan. Remember what Achan did? Uh, when Achan sinned, uh, he caused the, the next war, Ai, to be lost, uh, the next battle that they had. And lives were lost and brought defeat to the army because of one man's sin. So we're not surprised when we see that Jonah's sin brings about a disturbance because that's what sin does. It does it in your own life and also those around you. Uh, there were so many things that were upset by Jonah's sin and 
I always am looking to make Pastor Forsberg proud of me, so I alliterated them, okay? Uh, we're going to talk really fast tonight, but the sovereign, the sea, the ship, the sailors, the shipmaster, and the sleeper were all disturbed by his sin, okay? Let's go through it. Let's read, first of all, verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the waters or the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. Father, I pray you'd help us in these next few minutes to hear from your word how we need to for our own personal lives. Lord, personalize the message and the challenge to what we need and help us to be yielded. In Jesus' name, amen. So the sovereign was disturbed. The words, but the Lord, in verse 4, show us that God's brought into the mix. You remember, Jonah's run from God, uh, from the presence of the Lord. Not the presence of the Lord, uh, we're not going to explain all this over again, but not the omniscience of the Lord, but the fact that uh, he's removed himself from where God can benefit him. And uh, so we understand that we can't run from God. God will always find us. And everything that man does matters to God. Everything that we are, it matters to God. And so even what we consider trivial in our lives are not beyond God's concern. Did you know that Jesus said our very hairs are numbered on our head? And I know that's easier for some of you than others, but uh, Matthew 10.30, all of our hairs are numbered. Uh, that changes by the hour for some of us, doesn't it? Uh, but God is watching over us. Our conduct pleases him or it upsets him. And our sin disturbs him just as it disturbs those around us. Obedience brings God's approval. It brings God's blessing. Disobedience invites his judgment. And this was very evident in the case of Jonah here. God gave Jonah a command to go to Nineveh. And Jonah, of course, made the blunder of getting into a budding contest with God. Notice this in verse 3. Jonah's reaction to the command uh, in verse 3, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. So the, the uh, but of Jonah was a but of rebellion. Okay, And then in verse 4, uh, it says, but the Lord. The but of the Lord was a but of judgment. All right, So we don't want to get into a butting contest with God because he will always win every single time as he does with Jonah here. And uh, no man ever wins a contest like this. Now, if you want to, or if you upset God, obviously God will upset us. Disobedience always disturbs Him, and uh, He has to deal with it. We will either judge ourselves, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and not be judged, or He will have to chastise us uh, to get us to the point. And this is what He had to do with Jonah, as we'll see. Now, it would be a great benefit to us if in our life we would be upset with our own actions with the same things that upset God. That would be a great benefit for us. In fact, it's one of the things I have prayed often in my life for me to see my sin the way God sees that. Because we see our sin and we are lawyers for ourselves. We are our own best attorneys. We defend ourselves. And so we, our sin's not so bad. But if the God, remember Israel and Judges? Uh, it said that every man did that which was right in their own eyes. It says that five times, I think, in the book of Judges. And then the same amount of times it says to God, in God's eyes, they were exceedingly wicked. They did exceedingly wicked here. They were wicked again here. And God said they were wicked. They said, we're great. We're doing fine. We're doing good. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us. And uh, that would benefit us a lot. 
We ought to be more concerned about what He thinks about us than what other people around us do. It's very common for us to be very concerned about what those around us think and, and uh, the opinion that people have for, uh, about us, but uh, we should be uh, very concerned about what God thinks. So, God here, even in His wrath, God in love and mercy is trying to bring Jonah back to the path of obedience. Don't make the mistake of falling into the thinking that many people do that uh, the God, especially the God of the Old Testament, was mean and vindictive and hateful. No, no. Even in His wrath, we see that God's His love and mercy is a work to bring Jonah back to where he needs to be. It is not love to leave a person in their sin. It's not love to leave them... Uh, running away from God. Love tries to bring them back. So he does that for us as well. I like the fact that when man forsakes God, God does not forsake that man. Praise the Lord for that. All right. How many times have we done a, pulled a Jonah and run from God and he has to come out and get us again like that going after that one sheep that went astray. I'm, I'm grateful for that. So when Jonah sinned, God had set out to, I mean, he brought judgment, but he was really bringing a rescue as well. When I was a child, we did not have internet. I expected the teens to go, what? Because what was life before internet? But we didn't have internet when I was growing up. Um, we had to do things the old-fashioned way. When we did a report, we didn't go online. We carried big piles of books when we had to do a report and different things. But uh, So I wish we did have internet, though, because that would allowed me to go on the internet and buy Dr. Spock's books and present them to my father for Father's Day or, or whatever because he did not read Dr. Spock and did not abide by Dr. Spock's principles. And so once in a while, I would get spankings, whether I deserved them or not. Usually not, but I would get them anyway. Uh, as the oldest in the family, if you, as like me, are the oldest in the family, you know that most of our punishments were unfair because as the oldest, we bear the brunt of a lot of things. And uh, anyway, my dad would always explain, thankfully, he never beat me. He never did it out of anger. He was always very controlled. He was very systematic. And he would administer the punishment, and then he would say, I'm doing this because I love you. Love me less is one of the things I wanted to tell him to do. <laughs> if, if, it's all, if this is love, then I'll take a little less love. But kids don't get that, do they? Kids don't understand that. If you love me, why are you hurting me? But it is love. And as a, often, as Christians, we don't understand it either. We don't understand the hardships God puts us through or the testings He sends our way. And all the while, God, it might seem like judgment or might even be judgment in some ways for our sins, but it's mercy at the same time because God has got to get us back to where we need to be. And sometimes it takes a little waking up because we are a hard-headed people. We look at the Jews uh, in the Old Testament and the Israelites as they were going through the wilderness and we think, what a bunch of buffoons they were we're not that different okay we just uh, covered up better sometimes whom the lord loveth the bible says he chasteneth. if he loves you he'll chasten you if there's love lacking in this situation here it wasn't god's love that was lacking it was jonah and it's our disobedience so the sovereign was disturbed secondly the sea was disturbed jonah's disobedience affected the sea where the ship was on. And God sent, the Bible says here in verse 4, sent out a great wind into the sea. There was a mighty tempest in the sea. This was no small storm. Verse 15 calls it a raging storm. Uh, sin can trouble the waters around us. The Bible says in Isaiah 57, 20, the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. 
There is no peace, saith my God, for the wicked. The text here says the Lord, in verse 4, it says the Lord sent uh, this great wind into the sea. It didn't say it arose. The Lord sent it. This was this wind, this storm was a result of sin. And this doesn't mean every time it storms that you've sinned, but I'm just saying that God uses these things sometimes and our sin will upset uh, our surroundings. And it did here. The sea was disturbed. And then the ship was disturbed like, the, like a chain reaction. One disturbance from the sin caused other disturbances. So first God is disturbed. As a result, the sea is disturbed. And now because the sea is disturbed, verse 4, the ship was like to be broken. The effects of disobedience to God always snowballs. If we don't stop it, if we don't repent, if we don't get right with God, it'll snowball, it'll get worse, and it'll get worse, and it'll get, you'll get deeper and deeper into it. And the disturbance always does that. Sin in its beginning always seems so private, it seems so powerless to hurt anyone, and yet as time goes on, it can become an out-of-control beast. The Bible says in Proverbs 5:22, His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be beholden by the cord of his own sins. And that can happen so fast if we're not careful. This ship was a ship of Tarshish. They were the best on the sea at that time. In fact... Ooh, I just squeaked, sorry. In fact, the, I don't know what that was. The, uh, the psalmist, to illustrate the power of God in uh, Psalm 48, 7, said, Thou breakest the ships of Tarshish. They were known to be very powerful ships and uh, the best and the strongest that men could uh, the build. But listen, that's no match for sin. The Titanics of Tarshish can always be sent to the bottom of the sea by the icebergs of rebellion. Uh, it, God, we are no match for, uh, for, for we can't, we, we're no match for the effects of our sin. The greatest empires, the most powerful of princes are all made si uh, weak by sin. Think about powerful David who could slay a giant like Goliath and then he was taken down by his own lust, his own sin later with Bathsheba. Samson, who could lift city gates, he could tear apart a lion with his bare hands and kill a thousand soldiers with a jawbone of a donkey. But his, because of his own fleshly desires and his own fleshly weaknesses that he kept giving into, uh, he was overcome and his eyes were gouged out and he died basically a slave. Holiness can make weak men strong, but unholiness makes the strong man weak. And we need to understand that so many ships are deserved, disturbed by sin. Let me give you a few other ships that are disturbed by sin. Fellowship with God is disturbed by sin. Companionship with your spouse is disturbed by sin. Stewardship of divine blessings. Worship of God. They're all, they all are like to be broken when sin comes into our lives. We need to be careful, so careful. And then number four, the sailors were disturbed. Jonah's sin caused great distress in the lives of the sailors that are on board this ship. By the way, there could have been other ships in the area that are suffering too. Again, sin affects more people than you think. Your sin will always have a greater impact than you realize. Our sin disrupts 
Uh, the lives of the sailors were in great jeopardy. The storm here, the Bible says, threatened to break apart the ship. There would be little hope for any of the men if the ship sank. It would be certain death for all of them. It wouldn't end only their career. It would end their life. Sin, again, is a cruel destroyer. It destroys not only human life, it can also destroy the soul of men. And can I just remind you, Jonah's mission was to be out saving people. And instead, he's about to destroy a bunch of people. That's what disobedience does. It takes us away from everything we're supposed to be doing, and it puts us on a destructive path. And instead of helping people, we're now hurting people. This is Jonah's issue. Verse 5, then the mariners were afraid and sailors like these don't scare easily. These would have been experienced men. They would have seen storms before. This tells us that the storm is a very bad one. And uh, again, sin caused this storm because that's what sin does. Sin never brings peace. It always brings distress. Sin never brings comfort. It always brings unrest. Look at what it says in verse 5. The mariners cried every man unto his God. Now, sailors also are not known for their religion. Their, uh, their spirituality. But this was a dire time, and they cried out in prayer. They were desperate. Men who never pray often do so in times of emergency. In fact, people who scoff praying are all of a sudden concerned about it when they're on their back in a hospital bed. Then it means something different. Now, we ought to pray in crisis, absolutely. But if we only pray in times of trouble, it can almost be an insult to God. We never pray except when we're in trouble. Have you ever known anybody who only calls you when they need money? You ever know anybody like that? I mean, you see their number on the phone and you know what they're calling for. They, don't, they haven't talked to you in six months. Now they're calling you. And uh, it's, that's how it is with every kid in college, by the way. If you have a child in college, when they call you, when they call mom, it's to talk and to discuss and see how things are going and, oh, everything's wonderful. When they call dad... How much is this call going to cost me if I answer it? Maybe I'll just let it go. Um, but that doesn't make us feel good if people call just because they need money. It make God feel good either if we call just in times of crisis. Uh, that's why the Bible says pray without ceasing. Have that attitude of prayer. Their theology was bad because it says every man cried unto his own God. So later on, by the way, they did pray to the true God, but we're not there yet. Uh, but even though their prayer was incorrect, they put a lot of people to shame In fact, by the fact that they actually saw the need for prayer. They are praying, and the only true man of God, the only one who actually had access to the real one true God, is in the bottom of the ship sleeping. We could park there and preach on that for a while, because isn't that the state of Christianity today? People desperately trying to reach God in their own way through religion or their own efforts and the people of God are sleeping. Oh, oh, that's so sad that this was the case here. I hope that that's not the case for us. How many church members are so poor at recognizing the need of, need of prayer they're not even here on a night like this? And, uh, it's not important. The mariners, verse 5, cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. Now, we have a case here of perspective. The sailors in this crisis, they, they demonstrated excellent perspective here. They demonstrated that the ship and their lives was more important than the wares on the ship. It was not easy to part with the wares. This would be their business, whether they were transporting or whether they were about to sell. Maybe they owned it. Maybe they were just trans. Either way, this was their 
income. This was their business, and they were chucking it overboard because their lives are more important than that. How good would it be if Christians would get that perspective and the well-being of their spiritual lives are more important than the well-being of their physical? Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 18. This is heavy stuff, by the way. This verse is heavy stuff. If thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut it off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into the light, into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands and two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. Jesus was not a prosperity preacher. Okay, that, This is not prosperity preaching. And cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes and be cast into hellfire. Now that's drastic action, is it not? Now, carnal Christians have trouble accepting that passage because they put more value on the physical than they do on the spiritual. That's what makes them carnal. But spiritual people, or we ought to realize that our spiritual well-being is more important than our physical well-being. This does not mean you start chopping off parts of your body, but you may have to cut off things in your life like friendships or jobs or certain pleasures to avoid shipwreck in your life. There are some things we've got to cut out of our life, no doubt, for us to grow closer to the Lord. And so those are some lessons we can take from that. Number five, we're moving along here. The shipmaster was disturbed. We're not surprised. <laughs> He's losing his load. He might lose his ship. His men are about on the verge of death here, but he's most disturbed with Mr. Disobedience, sleeping Jonah down on the bottom of the ship. And so, uh, of course, he's got a lot. Jonah is a bigger problem than he realizes at this point. All right. But just the fact that he's sleeping, uh, he is uh, very upset. And the shipmaster does to Jonah what Jonah should have been doing to those on the streets of Nineveh. He goes and tries to rebuke him. Uh, he does rebuke him and tries to remind him of the error of his ways. That's what Jonah is supposed to be doing. And the shipmaster, an unsaved heathen shipmaster, is doing Jonah's job. And he called Jonah out, and he did not mince words. And in that we see that the sleeper was disturbed. And the tranquility of every sinner is going to be sooner or later disturbed. It will catch up to you. The sinner is much like a disobedient dog on the end of a long leash or chain. I always enjoy that. I was, I was walking, I've been walking a lot since uh, April, so I was walking in a new neighborhood, actually I think it was in Oklahoma, in a new neighborhood, and so I hadn't been there before, and uh, a, I was, as I went by, all of a sudden I heard on my left a, a big bark. You know, you can always tell, yip, 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 little barks, and then you can tell the bigger barks, and this was a big bark, like a horse. And uh, so I looked over, and there, it's a big dog, and he is coming at me full tilt. And uh, only he's got a chain. And I always like that. So I, I know because the fact that he has a chain means it's going to come short of the street. So I can just kind of sit there and wait for a second because I know he's going to come to the end of it. And that's always a nice sight, isn't it? Ugh, when they come to the end of it, especially when they're on full attack. That's the sinner. Is like that. We, we're running and we think we're free. We think we're getting away with it, but we're going to come to the end of our chain. And, it's going, and the harder we run and the faster we're running, the harder the jerk will be and the more it'll hurt. That's what the sinner's like. It's like a dog on a chain. And so uh, Jonah discovered this truth the second he wakes up to a garlic-breathed, toothless, one-eye-patch mariner in his face yelling at him. 
uh, he, and this is what he hears. What meanest thou, o sleeper? Arise, call on thy God, that we perish not. Now Jonah knows the party's over. <laughs> if unsaved heathens are telling you you've got to start praying, then there's, there's a problem going on here. The pleasures of sin have come to an end. His escape, uh, he's been caught up with, and uh, so he realizes it. The results of disobedience is now going to result in some unpleasant circumstances. A mother was trying to explain to her five-year-old daughter that if you disobey, you're going to have to live with the circumstances. And the girl starts just crying and bawling and screaming. She says, Mom, please, uh, don't make me live with the uh, I said consequence, I'm sorry. You're going to have to live with the consequences. Don't make me live with the consequences. I want to live with you. Uh, none of us want to live with the consequences, right? Uh, we want to, but, but we will. We will because you can choose your sin, but you can't choose your consequences. That's something we have to remember. Now, two things are happening here. We obviously see the work of sin uh, catching up with the sinner, but again, it is God's love and grace in awakening the sinner to his condition because, listen, friends, Jonah needed to be disturbed. He needed to be woke up. He needed to be shocked awake, and he will be even more shocked awake when he finds himself in the belly of a fish here soon, but uh, he needs to be brought out of his lethargy, out of his apathy. And so many of us need the same thing. The very nature of sin makes us oblivious to the destruction that's right at our doorstep. In fact, often people around us can see the danger that we're in long before we see it. And uh, this 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 may there may be those that in your life get in front of you and wave their arms or try to warn you in love and and try to tell you about the, the condition that you have but it is a tragic truth that the sinner is often the very last one to get concerned about his condition others around him will but the sinner does not you ever watch a show called intervention they uh family members sit around and they invite the victim or the person to come over, and, and so he comes, and it's always that same look. Oh, boy. <laughs> they walk in, they see the whole family there. What is going on here? And they set them down, and then uh, all the people start talking about his addiction, whatever it is. It could be alcohol, it could be drugs, and he could be a Democrat, whatever it is that they're trying to get him away from. And, uh, and they're just, so each one, how, they, how it hurts them, how it affects them. And you know who's least concerned? It's usually the addict. He's fighting it. He's it's not a big deal. Y'all are, this is stupid. He's fighting against it, usually at first anyway. The guy who's in the most trouble is least concerned about it. And that's our sin, often. That's the sinner many times. That was, uh, that was Jonah here. We're dulled into insensitivity by sin and into a false security. So much so that in the storms of life, we can be sleeping in the boat. Even the world was concerned, and the man of God was sleeping. One day, it'll be too late, and the consequences will fall upon you. This was uh, what it was what like with sleeping Jonah here. He was the last one to wake up to the danger of his actions. And by the way, he'd been sleeping for a long time. Long before he fell asleep on this boat, he'd been sleeping spiritually for a long time. You don't get to this point in your life. We already talked about that last time overnight to where you run from God. He was a prophet of God and he's running from him. He's been walking blindly. Uh, he walked, he slept, walked all the way to Joppa, you could say. He's been walking blindly as like a sleepwalker that uh, is unaware of any danger. 
You ever seen those? Uh, I, I've seen different uh, uh, do, uh, documentaries about sleepwalking, and they can walk off of balconies. <laughs> they have no idea the danger they're in their sleep. Like many, many Christians, that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, Awake! Awake unto righteousness! And there's, a time, there's times that we need to wake unto righteousness and sin not. Jonah and, and we sometimes are like Israel that Isaiah talked about in, in Isaiah 42, 5. God had poured upon him the fury of his anger and has set him on fire round about. Listen, set him on fire round about, yet he knew it not. And it burned him, yet he laid it not to heart. What a pathetic picture. A fire burning all around and then actually burning the person and yet they're unaware. That's a picture of the sinner. Uh, the, the sin is destructive and the person sometimes most unaware of it is the sinner himself. That's why it's important to go to church, to hear, be under the preaching of the Word of God, to open the Word of God and read it on a regular basis, to have a relationship with the Lord and not grieve the Spirit. All those things are a help because those are the warning signs to get in front of him and say, Hey, awake thou sleeper! <laughs> like that uh, ship's mariner did. So Jonah in the ship, surrounded by turbulence, totally unaware, needed to be woke up. Thank God for those who dare to wake up the sinner. And then thank God for those who are willing to be awake. That's where all of us should be, amen. Father, we thank you for the passage. We ask you to use it now. And, and, and 